to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation as usual as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. And welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm thrilled you can join us today. We're going to be talking about light therapy. And I love it because it's a non-evasive way for treatment for cognitive issues. Now, for those of you that are new to our show, Alzheimer's Speaks is about sound news, not, not just sound bites. We like to have conversations with real people. And that means people living with a diagnosis, family members, as well as business professionals, all kinds of researchers, advocates, et cetera. I do want to give a few shout outs. There's a lot of exciting stuff going on. First, I have to always mention the Mark Arneson band, though, because I'm so thankful that they allow us to use their song Clarion Call, which you can download on any of your favorite music platforms. Now, people are still looking for support. I hear that all the time. And Arthur's Senior Care sponsors a virtual memory cafe that we've been doing throughout COVID. Um, And that happens the second and the fourth Wednesday of each month at two o'clock Eastern, one o'clock Central, noon Mountain Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. And you are more than welcome to join us then. I also do a Caregiver Connect program, which typically meets in person. And I have my fingers crossed for March when we meet on the last Wednesday of the month that we're going to be able to meet in person again, the last couple we have done virtually. But you can register for that one way or the other at 763-913-6140. And if we can't meet uh, in person, we will be meeting virtually. Now, our friends who have been working on a film called Determined Fighting Alzheimer's, which follows three women enrolled in a new study to try to prevent Alzheimer's, is going to premiere April 6th on PBS on Nova. So check out what time it'll be in your area because they're all a little bit different. And then on April 7th and 8th, I'm going to be in Winona. It's going to be my first No, I take that back. It's going to be my second in-person thing since COVID uh, started. So I'm really excited. We're going to be um, previewing and doing a screening of the film, A Timeless Love, which is about a family's journey dealing with dementia. And it is absolutely excellent. And then we will be doing a talk back um, with the audience on on what they felt, because, you know, you're going to laugh, you're going to cry, but you're going to be in a safe space. So check that out with us. Um, you can register for that with the Winona Friendship Center at 507-454-5212. And then on April 20th, I'm going to be doing a virtual event uh, sponsored by Artist Senior Living. Uh, And it's called As the Cookie Crumbles. And so I will be um, sharing stories of my own experience, you know, with my own mom who lived with the disease for 30 years and giving you some tips and tools and trying to 
shift perceptions and that will start at 5 30 central time and that is hosted by artists living of lakeview bartlett elmhurst and wilmette and you can register for that at 312-423-1514 or you can uh, go to artistway.com forward slash lakeview events And then, of course, we have our friends with the All's Authors, and they know the journey. And so um, basically, they want you to come and check out the AllsAuthors.com because they are a global community of authors writing about Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia from a personal experience. And they have the most comprehensive collection of hundreds of carefully vetted books and blogs covering all types of dementia and caring situations. Their authors' personal stories and painfully learned lessons can help you on your journey. They also have a fabulous podcast, and that is entitled Untangling Alzheimer's and Dementia, which you can find on any of your podcast platforms. Remember, you're not alone. One can sing a lonely song, but they choose to form a choir and create harmony. And you can be part of that harmony by going to allsauthors.com. Of course, I have to shout out to Dementia Map, which I'm co-founder of. If you haven't checked it out, please do so. We are building it out. Um, Every day it changes. Uh, There's like 150 categories that you can search. It's free to use and open to anybody. We have a calendar of events, uh, a glossary and a blog, uh, so much out there. So check out DementiaMap.com. We are going to hear from the Adaptive Equipment and Caregiver Corner, and they're going to talk about the footbar walker, and then we'll be right back. I love the footbar walker, and let me tell you why. It is the option for my toolbox that I've been waiting for. Let's be honest. There are some clients who, despite our best rehab efforts, just aren't able to return to performing a sit-to-stand transfer on their own. Now I can offer my caregivers an easier, safer option that doesn't involve hoisting their loved one up from a sitting position. I don't recommend this walker for all of my clients, but I do recommend this walker for those caregivers looking for an easier, safer option with transfers. I would also encourage other therapists to add this walker to their toolbox. It's kind of like having my own mobile parallel bars for the client to pull up on. Whether it's a family caregiver at home helping a loved one with Parkinson's or dementia, CNAs in a long-term care facility assisting their patients, or therapists adapting to client and caregiver-specific needs, we now have a very safe and effective option to offer in the Footbar Walker. Check this product out at thefootbarwalker.com. That's it for today from Adaptive Equipment and Caregiving Corner. Have a great day, and don't forget, if you can't do it, adapt it. Okay, we are back and we're going to be talking about neurofeedback and light therapy and all kinds of stuff. So I want to introduce you to Liam Pingree and Marvin Berman, and they are the co-founders of Neuronic. Layman has a diverse background experience that ranges across three different continents, from off-the-grid solar in Rwanda to fund administration in Luxembourg to working on the trade floor in Manhattan, New York. 
And Marvin is also the founder of the Quiet Mind Foundation, and he brings a wealth of experience in neuroscience, neurofeedback, the clinical application of photobiomodulation. And he also is a neurotherapist and neuroscience researcher focusing on non-invasive treatments for neurodegenerative disorders. So today we are going to be discussing a non-pharma approach to treating brain disorders. So I know we're going to have a really interesting conversation with Liam and Marvin today. And um, I always start out asking my guests the same question because I think it's just nice to have a baseline. And that is, have you been personally touched by dementia in your family, your own circle of friends? And Marvin, I'm going to have you go first, if you don't mind. No, that's fine. And uh, the answer is yes. Um, My grandmother developed um, Louis body dementia uh, when she was in her mid 70s. And uh, she struggled with that. My mom took care of her down in Florida for a long time. And then um, my mom developed uh, some memory and movement issues that we associate with a head injury. And so that precipitated a, uh, a loss of memory and cognitive functioning. It was primarily associated with a head trauma. Okay, wonderful. Thank you for sharing that, Marvin. And Liam, how about you? Yeah, well, firstly, Laurie, thanks for having us on here today. Um, and yeah, my auntie was diagnosed with cancer a good few years ago now, and she suffered memory loss. Um, And it got so bad that it was getting to the stage you would visit and she was no longer able to recall your name or even recognize you. And I suppose that that kind of brought me closer to what I'm doing now. Um, And I suppose maybe haven't spoken on it too much, but is is a bit of a cause for why we are doing what we are. Okay, thank you. Marvin, I want to ask you what prompted you to get involved first in studying non the non-drug approach um, to treating brain disorders. I think certainly my family history and then looking for resources for my grandmother and realizing that the medications that were available, you know, 12, 15 years ago were not a whole lot different than the medications that are available now in terms of their effectiveness. And so I started looking into it. And because I'd been involved in behavioral medicine, um, and specifically something called brainwave biofeedback training, I started to look at the literature in neurology that had to do with the monitoring of people in terms of brain activity, who had been diagnosed with dementia. And I found that there was a considerable literature that went back almost 40 years showing the differences in the EEG brainwave activity in people as they progress through dementia. Well, it looked very familiar to me because of the work that I had been doing with brainwave biofeedback for people with epilepsy, and ADHD and depression and other and head trauma. And so it occurred to me to then look in the literature for how the neurologists were using this data in terms of 
developing treatment for people with dementia and I found absolutely nothing. And it occurred to me then that because there wasn't a drug, the neurologist didn't have anything to offer. So then it, it became clear that, you know, there, the, the silos of knowledge were segregated and that, you know, the neurologists were not looking at behavioral medicine and the behavioral medicine people were not publishing their research in, in journals that are being read by neurologists. So we set about doing a study where we looked at the data that came out of the neurology research, which had to do with the slower frequency brainwaves gaining in amplitude as people got more involved in dementia. So the voltage of the slower brainwaves went up while the voltage of the faster brainwaves went down as people progressed in their disease. So we just said, well, wait a minute, maybe we can do something. And we set up a study where we went after uh, training people with dementia to decrease the slow wave amplitudes and increase the fast amplitudes. And then we measured them with neuropsych testing. And in fact, they got better. And so that began me thinking very seriously about how we can use these tools that have been around for 50, 60 years, but you know, they're not drugs, so they're not getting promoted and we can use them very effectively. Well, I love that. I think society as a whole is starting to really look for more non-pharma equivalents out there that they can tap into because as you know, we haven't had a a new drug. I mean, that was the whole big blow up with the last one for 20 years. And just because we haven't had a new drug doesn't mean that we want one that doesn't jump through all the hoops. And so for me, it's been really exciting to see all of the different things that are coming into play and really being looked at closely, especially since COVID, people are looking at that, uh, the social engagement angle as well, which was highly, I think, ignored for many, many years. Right. And really realizing, hey, this affects all of us, not just people with dementia. And so, you know, I I love what you're doing. Liam, I'd like you to tell us, how, how did the two of you even meet? Because you're in Ireland. And, and Marvin's here in the U.S. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess really the idea of neuronic and, and how I kind of got into this was quite a bit different from Marvin because he has the, the scientific background, um, whereas I come from the kind of business side. And originally the idea came to me when I found this video of a guy wearing a bucket on his head with a strip of near-infrared lights inside up. And in the video, it reported the guy had Parkinson's and he'd been taking medication for it, but the meds just weren't effective anymore. Um, the re- video reported that the guy had used his helmet daily for a couple of weeks and nine out of 10 of his symptoms had improved. Uh, he was able to play the piano again. And so I thought, what's the science behind the use of near infrared light on the brain? Is it actually possible? And secondly, if it is, surely we can develop an actual helmet or similar and have it manufactured so people can access this rather than uh, a bucket that you'd use for a car wash um, and a strip of LEDs with a a strap stapled on the side. Um, So around that time, I was in my apartment across from Manhattan in New York, and I was currently not able to work as as the COVID pandemic had struck. And the nature of my job, which was price and risk on derivatives at the time, 
made it hard for the company to allow me to work from home straight away. So not really wanting to sit idle, I rang Marvin Schuner, who is our German uh, business partner, who I met while studying in Concordia in Minnesota. Uh, we were in the same entrepreneurial class and had worked together on previous projects. I pitched him the idea, sent him the video and said, surely we can do better. Um, after a year of going around talking with people such as doctors, patent attorneys, advisors, professors, we came across more and more research and a name that popped up several times, which was Marvin, Marvin Berman. So I connected with Marvin on LinkedIn and tried to speak with him, asking if he could help us. As I had seen, he had developed his own device with others. And his initial response was charging us um, an hourly fee or if we wanted, we could book him for the whole day. And given that we had no money and not even a company established, I said I'd get back after I consult my business partner, which I didn't, and instead proceeded to message him, sending him a picture of the device we intended on selling. His response was, I think you were meant to contact me. Here's my number. Call me when you can. Um, and ever since we've been working together um, with his colleague, Sarah Turner, as well, who is known as the Rebel Scientist. Um, and shortly after, we registered the company as it's now known as Neuronic Devices Limited. Wow, that's that's a, such an interesting story. And I think it's it's fascinating that you saw this bucket on someone's head and just said, we can we can do better than that. But it also fascinates me that someone tried a bucket on the head with some 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 lights and and was willing to just try that and see what happened. I think it's so interesting the the progression of research and innovation as it happens and what inspires people and and how how they get connected. Absolutely. And and the the guy Max Weber was his name. He actually came across a study I believe in Australia. Marvin correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but it was done on rats um, and they were using the near infrared light on the rats and it showed um, the the progression um, and it was able to cure the, the disease they had. So that's where he, he got the idea from and he contacted his local GP to work on this and source um, equipment to make it. And that's that's how he started um, with the bucket on his head. Yep. And there's a there's a very strong community in New South Wales and Queensland and Adelaide um, that are working very hard on developing photobiomodulation approaches to treating neurodegeneration, um, specifically Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. Which is fantastic. Marvin, I wanted to ask you, why did you want to start investigating, combining the photobiomodulation um, and the neurofeedback? Sure. Um, well, I, I can pick up where, where, where I left off. So we, we did the research study showing that neurofeedback could, in fact, improve people's cognitive and behavioral functioning, but we were not, in, we were not intervening on the actual tissue-level disease process. What we were doing was making the remaining brain connectivity, the brain connections work more efficiently, which in and of itself is a good thing, but we were essentially changing the slope of decline. We weren't really treating the underlying disease process itself. And when you boil down the disease process, it comes down to two things, lack of blood flow and inflammation. 
So when I was looking at the literature on that in, in the scientific literature, I was seeing various and sundry papers about different approaches to them. And one day I got a, an email from the husband of one of the people we'd been working with. And it was an article in the Daily Mail in London, which is not exactly a peer-reviewed scientific journal. But when I saw the, the article, it was actually a discussion of a paper that was in the British Journal of Neuroscience. And when I read that paper, I realized that these were serious claims that these people were making. And they were talking about using 1,070 nanometer light to reverse dementia in an animal model. And so I went and looked very carefully at what they were doing, realized that, that, was, that they were you know, getting very really uh, viable and, and lasting results using this particular wavelength of light. And that's when it hit me that maybe photobiomodulation could be the tissue level intervention that was going to address the lack of blood flow, the hypoperfusion, or the and the inflammation. And that when you did that, you were now resolving the underlying degenerative process so that when you then worked on repairing and renormalizing the electrical connectivity using the biofeedback, now you had the makings of a solid, more reliable and lasting solution. So that's what we've been doing ever since. That was back in 2008. Wow. So this isn't uh, this isn't something that's new. I think a lot of people think it is. I mean, I, no, I think back to no. the day when it's not uh, new. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. how how new is getting sunshine? Yep. But, you know, and I think back to even people saying, you know, they're going to do biofeedback and people thinking that that was kind of new agey. Yeah, right. It's been around for 100 years. <laughs> yeah. And it's so co- when it, yeah, it's covered by Medicare. That's how new it is. Okay. Well, that's, that's good for our audience to know, but I just think that, you know, things have, have changed. And I think there's also been a lot of um, misinformation out there about what things are and, and how they can help. I wanted to ask you in terms of seeing how, uh, how these newer radiants um, improve the existing types of light therapy technology, because there's, there's various ones out there already. And, you know, how is yours different? You know, I've heard from, and, and I'm very much novice when it comes to this, I am not a researcher or a medical person. You know, I'm just a, I'm just a daughter whose mom had dementia. But I've heard people talk about things from the voltage to the type of light to the bumping, but you know, because some of them flash and some of them are steady. So, can you tell us a little bit more, Marvin, about that? And then, Lehman, I'm going to have you explain kind of the helmet coverage and, and how that works as well. Right. Well, the issue about the flashing and the continuous, um, there's been evidence that the flashing can help with deepening the penetration of the light into the, into the tissue. The other thing that helps deepen the penetration is the actual wavelength of light. And the higher the wavelength, 
the deeper the penetration. So many of the devices that are out there, in fact, I would say almost every device other than ours is uh, using something in the 800 to 850 range and ours is in the 1070 range. So what we found is that the higher the wavelength, the deeper the penetration and that the pulse rate can also be effective in, in two ways. So when you pulse the light on the scalp, you actually get the brain to start reacting to that specific frequency and the EEG, your brainwave activity begins to match whatever the pulse rate is that you're putting in. And so with our knowledge of biofeedback, we can then influence both the, both the brainwave activity and affect the tissue by getting the light into the cells in the brain and having them in, increase their output of energy, as well as making the tissue in the blood vessels itself more flexible and thereby letting more oxygen get through to the parts of the brain that are uh, getting starved for oxygen. So that's one, that's a big part of it. Uh, the continuous light is good for uh, cosmetic purposes um, as well as kind of overall energy, uh, kind of feeling healthy, but uh, kind of like being out in the sun for a couple of hours. But um, that's, those are some of the basic issues uh, about why we chose what we chose to work, you know, to use in the Neradian. Yeah, and I think answering your question, um, it's, it's different again. Um, one of the, the main devices I think people know of when they think of photobiomodulation is the V-Lite. And that's kind of like a wireframe that has three to five um, specific points in which it targets of the brain, whereas ours is a more complete helmet that covers the kind of whole um, surface of your your head um, that with the 1070 lights which Marvin already said not many other people have used in their helmets or devices um, and lastly we've been working hard on um, a new user interface and control box which basically allows the user to control four quadrants of the helmet in line with their brain pretty much and Marvin I know that was something you were working on um, a lot to get to, into this new device that we were releasing. Yeah, that's true. And it was very important because of this idea of the brain being able to mimic or imitate what's coming in. So depending on what kind of issues we saw in someone's brain electrical activity, we could then target the stimulation in different ways to be able to normalize the overall brain electrical uh, activity while at the same time improving the health of the tissue and also protecting the tissue against further injury. Because one of the things that we've shown in the research is that 1070 confers protection to the brain cells, the neurons, it actually protects against further injury. So it not only helps repair, but it also helps protect against further damage. I have a question. So if, if people using this, you know, can, can work with the interface, can it go higher than the 1070 or is there a limit? Cause I can see some people going, let's push it a little bit more. Thank you. <laughs> that, that's a very important distinction that we need to make. The, the pulse rate is the number of times that the lights in the helmet turn on and off per second. 
the wavelength is the actual measurement of the wave, the, the electromagnetic wave on the spectrum of, of light. So when you're going from ultraviolet to infrared, and then you go above that into gamma waves, we're talking about wavelength of the light. That's a difference. That's different than the number of times it turns on and off. So what you're going to be able to control in the Neradiant helmet is the number of times it turns on and off per second. And you can control that in the front of your head, the back of your head, your left and your right hemisphere. So that's just turning on and off, not the actual wavelength of light. Okay, well, that's that's good to know. Um, the other thing that I have seen out there, and I would imagine that the helmet is much more effective than just lighting sitting in your room, because I've seen some of those out there, too, that say, well, just, you know, set these up in your living room or by your desk or. Um, oh, and- yes, that's a that's a great point. The the 40 hertz light bulbs that are out there now are getting at an important piece of uh, insight from the research on dementia and photobiomodulation. And that was when they pulsed light at 40 times per second into the cages of animals. And then they measured the amount of amyloid plaque that was in their brains. They found that there was a a 50% reduction in the amount of beta amyloid in their brains after getting stimulated for an hour. The next sentence that gets unfortunately left out is that when you turn the lights off, the beta amyloid level returns to baseline within about an hour or two. Wow. So you're, yeah, it's, it's a, you know, it's marketing, uh, but the real story is that as long as you're doing the stimulation, you can affect a change in the amyloid level. But as soon as you turn it off, it goes back to normal. It goes back to abnormal. Well, so, that's really interesting because, of course, I've never heard that. <laughs> no, no, of course. Well, and, and, you know, that's because people tend to read the headline and not the whole study. Yeah, yeah. If they read the study at all. And right. I and, and I would, you know, to me, in some ways, that is mismarketing, if that's what they're leading with. And I'm not saying anyone is doing that. But again, I, I've heard right. of these different variables out there. And I, I don't remember ever hearing, you know, that it bounces back to where you were. And, right. uh, and, and that's, right. a, that's a pretty big thing to know. Yeah, it's, a, it's not a minor detail. Exactly, exactly. Well, uh, with the helmet, with the Neradiant, that, that, again, that makes the point that I was trying to establish is that if you're going to make a lasting improvement, then you really have to affect a change in the overall system of how the central nervous system is able to process information. And, and that means that you're making the system function more efficiently. And that requires that you address the underlying toxicity and other issues that are going on that photobiomodulation and neurofeedback are very central to a a correction and an improvement. But you also have to be dealing with 
you know, the issues of, uh, you know, Lyme disease, for instance, or other kinds of toxicity, you have to make sure that those kind of issues, those underlying issues are also being addressed. And we take that in the, in the field of functional medicine. So our approach is really to look at making sure that people are getting treated for the underlying causes, getting support with the photobiomodulation to make the kind of improvements in their system and protect against further damage, and then use the neurofeedback to help renormalize the connectivity so that the brain can function more normally over, over the long term. Which makes a lot of sense. I did want to ask, um, because I'm sure when you're doing research, did you try a higher level than the, the 1070? Yes. Um, yes. We were up about, we were up at 12. There was a group at 1267. There were, um, that was about as high as anybody's gone. Uh, because one of the things you want to avoid is you don't want to heat, you don't want to actually heat up the tissue like in a microwave oven. Okay. Right. So you don't want to use a far infrared light like they use in a sauna, right? Because this is one of those situations where you don't want to cook the egg. Okay. So staying in the near infrared range, you get energy being directed into the cells, but you you don't create any kind of heat in the cell itself. There's no heat being created. It's just energy being imparted into the cell. Okay, that makes sense. Anything, uh, Liam, that you wanted to add on that? No, I think I think Marvin's covered it all, really. Okay. Well, one of the questions I also wanted to ask, and I'll, I'll throw this to you, Liam, is, you know, what are the plans for the future in terms of light therapy and, and neurofeedback? Yeah, so as we've kind of laid out there, we're currently selling the device as a light therapy wellness device. Um, and as such, we don't have the EEG capability built into the helmet. Um, as of right now, uh, Marvin through the Quiet Mind Foundation offers um, neurofeedback training. Um, and we hope in the future we can add the EEG capability into the helmet so you buy the device and it's able to offer the photobiomodulation and provide that EEG feedback. And we're looking to build a platform in which the user can log in and see their performance, how much of an effect the light has had on them, and hopefully share this with their local GPs, doctors, or other people that are doing studies or trying to monitor their progress um, with something like dementia or Alzheimer's. Well, that was one of my next questions was, is this something that can be purchased and used at home or do you have to go into the clinic? Yeah, everything that we've designed is to be used at home. And are you uh, gathering, you know, the feedback from the the neurofeedback and and the statistics from all of these so that you can still further research? Okay. Well, this sounds really, really exciting. It's another option for people to be able to utilize and, and look at and, uh, and assess. I know some of our audience is probably wondering what the cost is here. And I don't know if that varies from continent to continent and if that's something that you can share with us. But I think that there might be some questions on that. Liam's got the role of handling marketing and sales. Okay, yeah, absolutely. So our base version, the Noradiant 1070, 
um, is 2,995, so effectively 3,000. 3, and then we offer the Noradian 1070 with the four-quadrant capability, so the ability to control the four different quadrants, and that's for 4,995. But it includes three months' consultation um, with Marvin, um, and this is to make sure people are using the device um, correctly um and they're also getting um training how to use it and guidance on why they're i suppose why they've come to use the device and then their background medical history things like that okay and is the training for both devices or or only the the quadrant one we're only offering the the three months with the four quadrant one okay however people can um book consultation with with marvin that's no problem either I know that the basic unit is really designed for people who are not dealing with a diagnosis. And we will be giving them an hour of orientation about how to use the device. Everybody will get an hour of orientation type consultation when they purchase the basic unit. But if they're coming to this with a diagnosis, then we're going to talk to them about how this might be an adjunct you know, this might be a useful tool to help them with remediating some of their symptoms. Sounds good. And I would imagine if they need support, there's a line they can they can tap into for that oh, if yeah. they've got any any questions or anything. As far as the helmet goes, this might sound kind of goofy, but again, just shows that I know nothing. So I, I think as a consumer, how long is this helmet going to work for? Is there a time limit on it or... Uh, you know, will it, will it run out of juice? You know, how does, how does that work? The design is such that it's solid state equipment and the likelihood that it's going to wear out is pretty unlikely. Okay. So I would say a minimum of five years and maybe longer. Okay. I I was thinking it would most likely, um, you know, not not run out or um, whatever, but sometimes, you know, with, with uh, software updates and things like that, I I didn't know how that worked within the, the headset itself. Yeah. The, the reality is that this is an extremely individualized type of design. So we're going to be able to customize the delivery of the stimulation to the person rather than kind of taking a, a scattershot approach. So as long as the equipment holds up, then you're going, to be, you're going to be giving people precisely what they need in order to get the most benefit from the light stimulation itself. Okay. And then Liam, is there just this one-time cost or is there a subscription cost with this as well? Because a lot of times people purchase something and then on top of it there's a subscription fee yeah absolutely so it's just a one-time fee um up front and then it's paid um if it's the um more expensive version it's three months consultation and that's all paid for up front however if people want to have like obviously more consultations either with um marvin or other clinics that we partner with um which i think is worth mentioning we are um, working with other, I suppose, consultants so they can deliver this 
um, for the biomodulation consultation as well. Okay. And then users, if they feel like they need kind of ongoing support, they they will have that. Okay. Well, is there anything that I haven't um, covered that, you know, that I've missed? Marvin, anything that, that we should add? I think it's important to let people know that this is uh, a safe and uh, useful, uh, easy to use tool that can help improve mood, uh, focus, uh, ability to concentrate and relax. And that, you know, our goal is to get this technology accepted in the broader traditional medical community, but that's going to take a while. And um, that, you know, we're here to, we're here to help and we'll be available to answer questions from people's physicians um, as we go along so that they can use this device in conjunction with their, you know, regular medical providers, because this is certainly not in, in any way to be considered medical treatment, but it certainly could be useful in the context of somebody's overall care and overall treatment. Okay. Um, one question that I didn't ask, and I should have, especially in this day and age is, you know, people are asking, I think more often now, is it FDA approved or not? No. Okay. We're, that, that's what I meant, that we're working on getting the traditional uh, government and other reimbursement agencies, insurance companies, the FDA, we're in conversation with the FDA at this time. And they've, at this point, they've also, you know, acknowledged that this is likely to be considered a non-significant risk device, according to the FDA's own criteria. Mm -hmm. uh, we're working on getting that official designation now. And we're also working on getting approval to conduct the kind of trials that you can do as part of an effort to commercialize the device. So we're, we're, we're getting deeper and deeper into that process. Uh, but right now we want to be focusing on making sure that the device works as well as we can get it to work and that it helps the people who are you know, starting out to use it, the early adopters, um, starting the end of this month. Okay. So another question I just thought of that we didn't really talk about is, and I know everything is individualized, but how often do you use this thing? Is it, is it like once a day, once a week? Is it multiple times during a day? Is Lori, this... you're right. It is individualized. <laughs> so <laughs> there's, there's, no, there's no simple answer to that. Um, certainly once a day might be a more general approach, but there are people who are very sensitive to this type of stimulation. And so we might be telling them to try it every other day. Okay. Or using it for, for shorter periods of time at different times of the day, um, depending on a lot of different factors like their sleep schedule. So okay. yeah, it's a, it's a very individualized process at this point. Okay. So if, if somebody bought the 1070 and they get that hour orientation is that something that would be covered with them in terms of do i use this multiple times for shorter times or no, um no. is it kind of a trial no. and error not uh, in a not yeah that's why i was saying anybody who's 
you know, one of your audience members, mm -hmm. um, I would say that it would be, it would not be advisable for them to think about, you know, trying to buy the cheaper model. Mm -hmm. I, I really wouldn't recommend that. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, because that's important because it's like you wear it an hour, do you wear it 15 minutes? Is it it's going to be something that we're going to have to work out over time anyway. Mm -hmm. It's going to change as people become more acclimated to the stimulation, then they may be able to increase that amount okay. or they might need to decrease it. It, it really is going to be dependent. The, the basic model is for people who are wanting to do this as a preventative you know, program of maintaining their overall cognitive wellness, brain health, people like mm -hmm. that, or people who are into what they call neurohacking or biohacking, that, that, are, that group of people can take this device and use it as part of their overall, you know, health maintenance program. But anybody with a diagnosis, I think, should be thinking seriously about getting consultation. You know, we've got a lot of people that live with dementia alone and don't have a care partner. Uh, I would imagine, depending on where they are on the, the spectrum of the disease, that would make a difference in terms of ability of use, because, Certainly. again, sometimes time uh, does, does make right. a lot of sense to them. Well, a caregiver, yeah, I mean, a caregiver would want to use this device to maintain their stress level. Uh, at the same time as they're working with whoever they're giving care to. Okay. Um, and that would be a very advisable thing. We advise that almost as out of hand to people to, you know, everybody should be using the device. Okay. Well, and I, I do remember hearing, you know, about just the relaxing, you know, piece of this. Exactly. And, uh... Exactly. This is a very good way to manage this, the, the stress, the caregiver burden, that everybody has to deal with um, as part of the process of helping people deal with, you know, the progression of dementia, any yeah. chronic illness, frankly. Yep. Um, Liam, um, I wanted to ask you if there was anything else that, that we missed. No, I think, I think we covered everything. Um, one thing though, was that one hour free consultation that comes with the, um, and uh, normal in the radiant 1070 is we have a, a, a form that people fill in so we will know ahead of time before that one hour consultation if someone has uh, any medical history um mm -hmm. and be able to kind of provide a little bit of advice um mm -hmm. on that going forward um like marvin said most of the time uh people buying that device won't have any severe kind of medical history or ongoing um mm -hmm. However, if they do, that will kind of be picked up in that form once they can provide the, the details of it. Okay. And then, you know, I'm just kind of curious because I, I here in, I'm in Minnesota. I just see a lot of chiropractors going down the more holistic mode. And many of them are, are purchasing, you know, different things to be able to help their clients. Is that somebody that you guys are targeting? Because I think that would be a natural fit in a lot of ways from what I see um, from a lot of chiropractors, they're, they're looking for alternative modes to be able to help their clients. And many of them are having cognitive issues. I think that it'll be important for us to target and build relationships with any healthcare providers who are interested in, you know, non-drug, non-invasive approaches to treatment. 
you know, it's not even us targeting those people. Um, we've actually had those chiropractors come and approach us and ask, how can we get involved? How can we do this? What are the, you know, the offers you have if we're going to kind of partner with your affiliate programs? So already we've had quite a bit of interest from from different kind of um, groups of people, such as chiropractors um, or general wellness clinics, um, looking to kind of get the devices or sometimes in bulk so they can offer it to people in their clinics. I, I could see that easily. And, um, and just even speaking at their conferences and, and showing them more about this and stuff. So I, I always look at everything from a marketing angle <laughs> when I'm, when I'm talking, that's just kind of my, my background there. Speaking of marketing, we want to let people know how they can get a hold of, of both of you and uh, Liam, they can get a hold of you at teamneuronic.online. So team at neuronic.online. And then you are also on LinkedIn. And Marvin, uh, you can find him at Marvin Berman at quiet mind and then fdn.org for foundation. He is also on LinkedIn. The website is uh, Neurotic Online, and then they also have a Facebook page, which is Neurotic Devices Limited, and Instagram, which is Neurotic Underline, and then LTD, and then Twitter um, is the same as Instagram there. So again, really appreciate you both taking the time to be with us um, was there any contact information that I that I misstated or uh, should have stated and I didn't? I want to make sure that we cover well, it all. Um, I think it was perfect. <laughs> the um, those of us who were collecting Social Security still use the telephone. So six one zero nine four zero zero four eight eight is uh, the Quiet Mind Foundation uh, phone number. Wonderful. Yeah, that's a that's a good thing because there are a lot of people that just like to talk to somebody directly. <laughs> and, those, and, of, uh, those of us with arthritis in our thumbs. <laughs> well, it's coming to the younger generation with all their tweeting and uh, texting that they're doing. So I think it's going to hit them way earlier than it hit us. Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you both for being You're with welcome. us. For our audience, please like, click, and share. And go to their website, check it out, or reach out to them. Uh, really appreciate everybody's time here today. And I found this just fascinating and exciting, uh, the, the progress that we're making and the different avenues that people are, are looking at and exploring. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.